What's in the bag? Ah, sixer. What's in the bag? Jazz, bongo drums, huge bag of weed. Would you mind letting me have a look at the contents of your bag? Top secret. Black bag. What's in the bag? Hey, what's in the bag? Your blow off doll? Not a game, man. What's in the bag? You want to see what's in my bag? What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Venice Photo Club. What's in your bag? Today we have Vens. Vens, what's up? Uh, what's up? Vens <laughs> <laughs> is a film photographer. He is the king of thrifting cameras. Vens has been a part of the photo club for as long as I can remember. Vens, how are you? I'm, do- I'm doing all right. I'm just like admiring Marina right now. Oh, we wanted to record outside, so we came to Marina Del Rey. We're in the... Are those pelicans? <laughs> We're going to hop right into it. All right, Vince, what bag do you use? I have like five bags. So I guess my main camera bag, my proper camera bag would be like the Moment um, 20 liter tote bag. I have it in the clay colorway. It has a laptop sleeve, water bottle bag. And I kind of also throw in, because I didn't buy the dividers, I throw in a small camera bag that I thrifted for like two bucks. I don't even know what it is, but... It holds like three point and shoot cameras, so it's fine. Or I'll just use uh, just a random cotton tote bag, or even my Carhartt bag. My Mamiya Six like surprisingly fits in my Carhartt bag. It's one I carry around a lot, and is I like to carry it because it doesn't scream camera bag. And is this the car? Yeah, it's like the Ooh. it's like the very small like Carhartt shoulder bag. I think it's what it's called, and I just. My favorite thing about camera bags is when a camera bag doesn't look like a camera bag. I just feel like they look too techy and too nerdy. And maybe if you're in San Francisco, it's an easy target. But I don't really see anything about like bag thefts in Los Angeles. But how uh, have you had this bag? Yeah. Uh, how long have I had this bag? I guess, I've had this bag for about, I guess, two a year and a half now. And it's like super solid. It, it fits surprisingly more than you think. Like I said earlier, my Mamiya 6, because it's collapsible, it will fit in this bag, no problem. Or I can hold two point-and-shoot cameras. Or right now, I think I just have my rangefinder in here. Yeah, my... So what's your favorite detail? I think you may have mentioned... Uh, just the portability and the portability. fact that it doesn't look like a camera bag. What camera is in the bag? Currently, I have multiple cameras, like 10. But right now, I'm carrying my Minolta 35, which I believe there were only about... 8,000 of these made and essentially it's a Leica M2 and like the Leica 3 like cloned together but Minolta's version it's just a if you look at it it's literally looks like a Leica M2 but I really enjoy it it's really classic it's from 1956 it's older than my parents so which is crazy but probably my favorite camera that I've own but i don't use it as much as i'd like to because i'm constantly carrying my mamiya 6 instead these days and then how long have you had the minolta i had the this was my first proper rangefinder film camera because i remember i got into film photography through fujifilm and i bought the fujifilm x pro one back in 2017 and even though it is a rangefinder design it's not really a real rangefinder and then later, getting into film photography proper, I got a Minolta X370. And because I liked my Minolta X370, I wanted to stay with like the Minolta like range of cameras. And I did some digging, and I found out that they have these Minolta 35s. They have so many versions of this. A, B, C, E, F. And this one specifically is the B2, which I think is the best one in the lineup. I think online is probably uh, regarded as the best one in their lineup as well because most of them have like a advanced knob rather than an advanced lever and this one is the only one with a lever design and that's the difference between like the a b and all those different variations is the yeah uh i think the difference is the winding mechanisms and the loading mechanism but this one i think is the best one but i mean like I guess the film photography market for like making bodies was very cutthroat back in the day because they did not manufacture a lot of these like in terms of like other brands and some of like their more consumer friendly cameras like the the SLRs rather than the rangefinders. I think Minolta didn't have a like really strong rangefinder presence if I recall correctly from what I read. So what do you like most about this camera? It's weird because 
when my camera jammed up, I had sent it to like West Virginia to get repaired. It cost me three hundred dollars. Wait, who's your guy? Yeah, you told me about this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, RJ repairs on RJ. Instagram. Yeah, he used to Shout live. Out. In, yeah, he used to live in Texas, and I was like, I need to send this to him before I go to Coachella in twenty twenty two, and he closed off repair windows because he was moving to West Virginia. So I was like patiently waiting for him to open a repair window, but instead I ended up buying the uh, the Voigtlander Besa R. That's right. Which was a solid camera, and by every metric, um, from most people's perspective, it is a better camera than this one. It's lighter. The rangefinder patch is brighter. The it has multiple frame lines, and it uh, has an internal light meter that is actually shockingly accurate. And then this one does not have a light meter. The viewfinder is different also i spent like 20 minutes recalibrating it i like lost a roll of film because when i got it back i didn't check to recalibrate the the finder and i was like why is infinity like off to the left and i was like oh everything's out of focus this roll of film is useless so now it's perfectly in focus it's like you gotta like take the screw off and then there's the smaller screw on the inside and you take a smaller screwdriver it's super fine precision work which blows my mind that they figured this out in like 1956, actually earlier than that. But I mean, this camera has a lot of quirks to it that I just like. Uh, the way you open and shut the camera back is super funny. Uh, the way you set the shutter speeds is super funny. Uh, the rewind knob is pretty standard, I guess. But like everything about this camera, just like it has its own unique charm where the Besa R, it kind of worried me that it was plastic to an extent, but... It's like a durable plastic, kind of like my Mamiya 6. And it's lighter as a result, like way lighter. So probably about half the weight of this camera. But something about the weight of this camera just feels perfect in my hand. And, and I think I have the newest Voigtlander uh, lens that they released in 2020 or 2021. It's the Voigtlander Heliar 40mm f2.8. It's a super compact lens because what I was looking for was a compact rangefinder system. I was looking at some of the old um, Canon screw mount lenses, and they are super nice. It's like when they used to like mark lenses as centimeters rather than like millimeters. So it's like the 3.5 centimeter uh, f4 lens looked really great, or the 5 centimeter f2 lens also looked really great. But this one kind of. It kind of shocks you because the lens looks a little more modern than the body, but like, it kind of looks like it also belongs there at the oh, same yeah. time. I think it's a I see what you're saying. Super good combination though. Really great image quality from this lens. So like, honestly, the lens matters more than the camera. The lens is actually more expensive than the camera, even after I got it repaired, because I must have spent around six hundred on the camera and like seven hundred on the lens. So it's like, yeah, because the camera is actually pretty cheap. You can find them for like less than 300. You can find them from like 250 up to 500, depending on the condition. And I just got super lucky from the camera store in Japan. And then the lens released for like 640 or something like that. And after taxes and whatever, it was like $700. Damn. Would you ever sell the camera? No, because when I had this, when I got this back and I had both of this camera and the base R at the same time, I was like, I don't need two rangefinders that do this. Like, like, I have way too many cameras that fill the same, uh, like, position. And I, I remember I watched, like, a Matt Day video, and he was, like, he's letting go of his cameras except for two. And I know I have, like, 11 cameras right now. And the two cameras I grab are this camera and my Mamiya 6. And the other one's kind of just, like, chill out like i ended up selling my uh fuji xh1 when the xh2 was announced and i never got the xh2 i still hold on to my x pro one because it was my first like proper digital camera that i did work on but no i probably never sell this camera mm -hmm. it's it's your baby yeah it's beautiful <laughs> what's your favorite thing to shoot with this camera i like doing lifestyle work kind of in the vein of like a street photography style but recently i've just been doing landscapes because i just want to like be by myself a lot of the time and i'll just go on hikes walk through the city to snap a few photos 
Uh, I like to use this, yeah, this camera specifically for like landscapes, and I use my Mamiya Six for a portrait just because it's higher quality. I would say. What else is in your bag? Go oh. through everything. Oh wait, I don't have the other things that I usually carry in this yeah. bag. I have like a film holder that holds five rolls of film. I usually throw that in the front pocket, and I also will throw in a point and shoot camera which I also don't have in my bag right now. I like just thrifted one like two days ago. Yeah, I need to put a roll of film through it just to make sure it's fully working. I usually carry around this camera and then like a cheap point and shoot that I don't particularly care about, which usually just ends up being the cameras I thrift and just test if they're working. Is that is usually that, that pared down? That's all you have to carry? The life of a film shooter. Yeah, that's literally all I have to carry because I remember when I started photography back in like 2017, I remember the obsession was like the 5D Mark III and having the 24 to 70 lens. And it's oh, a yeah. beefy setup. And I've known <laughs> plenty of people like in New York and Philadelphia who had that camera setup and they would carry these peak design bags. And like, they're kind of heavy. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weaker than the average man, but like carrying those bags around like seemed like such a pain. And I remember I had gotten. I had a Canon camera at the time. Can't remember which one. And I had like the 70 to 200 like Tamron lens. And I was like, why would anyone carry this around for like a prolonged period of time? If it takes you like, like it takes you like 30 minutes to get everything set up in your bag. And then you walk out the house and then you have like 12 pounds weighing on your shoulders. Like, I'm not going to do that. I like to keep it light and I can just like get my camera bag ready in less than three minutes. I, I don't really even think about it that much. Do you, like, think about minimalism at all, or is that just, just how you operate? Oh, no, I definitely think about minimalism. I was a, a big, big on minimalism from, like, 2017 to 2020, actually, before I moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> I used to have seven shirts, and they were all the same shirt. I used to be, like, the guy who was, like, a cartoon character. I had the same outfit. I had, like, two pairs of black pants. And, like, seven charcoal shirts. And then I had, like, one navy and one maroon. And I, like, wanted to add minimalism into, like, every aspect of my life. And now I obviously have way too many cameras. So it kind of, <laughs> like, defeats the purpose. And my wardrobe has since expanded. <laughs> I don't wear the same thing all the time. It's uh, an ebb and flow. Yeah, it's ebb and flow. But I feel like minimalism isn't about having the least amount of things. It's about having things with purpose. So, like, one thing I like to do which I'm going to start doing this with my cameras, I guess, is I organize the clothes in my uh, my closet from left to right. And every time I put something back in the closet, I put it on the left side. So what ends up happening over time is the clothes that's all the way on the right side of my closet means it hasn't been worn in a while. And like every couple of months, I'll just take the clothes that I don't really feel strongly about and just uh, donate it to a thrift store. And now, yeah, and now I have like cameras in the back of my shelf. And I haven't grabbed them in a while. Like, one of my best point-and-shoot cameras would be my Olympus uh, Mu 1. It is arguably the best point-and-shoot camera I have. By every metric, film photographers, like, revere this camera. It is a good point-and-shoot camera. But part of me is like, this cost me $200. I don't want to, like, break it. So I always grab uh, the... $12 $12 camera I thrifted, the $5 camera I thrifted, the one I got for $2, the other one I got for $2. I usually grab those cameras because I kind of just like throw them in my bag and I'm not worried about it because it's not expensive in my head. Even though I have more expensive cameras than my Olympus, like how dainty it is as a point and shoot camera makes me worry about it a lot. And I think that may restrict me in how I go about my day-to-day photography. What is the bag missing? I guess a bigger divider because, I mean, it works because I don't really need anything else. But if I had a bigger divider in the bag, I could, like, put things side by side without worrying about them scratching each other. Which oh, yeah. really is an issue. Five rolls of film and two, uh, a rangefinder and one point and shoe is usually enough. I just chill like that. I've recently gotten to the idea of having like a dedicated black and white point and shoot. So one that I only load black and white film into and then one with color. Cause I usually will shoot, uh, what do I shoot? Fuji 400. Mm-hmm. That's like my main, my main film. Cause I can just grow to CVS and pick it up. 
but I also really liked what I got from Delta 100 in my point and shoot one time when I went to Leo Korea and it was super cool. So I think like black and white film photography, I get it now. I used to, I used to think I was like, why would you shoot black and white if you could shoot color? Because then you could just go into Lightroom and change it to black and white if it fits the mood. But there's something different about shooting black and white because there's like, when there's no other option, it becomes like the, by default, it's the only option. So it's the best option, right? Mm. But black and white photography is very timeless. Like I always see black and white photos from like the 1950s. And you can pair it with like a photo from like 2005 and one from like 2015. And you can put them side by side in a gallery and it really doesn't like throw you off. But color photography really dates an image, I think especially if there's like cars in the background <laughs> like cars will date photography like crazy that's why i hate seeing cars in the background of photos because it's like up oh, i can tell that the 2023 prius wasn't there <laughs> it's a, this was an older image you know or there's no teslas in the background but i mean it is what it is so i'm really going to experiment with shooting more black and white in the coming months do you travel with this bag uh yeah, I travel with this bag. I will throw it inside of another bag. <laughs> so it's like I'll have my Oh my god, the name of this bag is so stupid. <laughs> I have a douchebag oh, yeah. scholar backpack. Those are nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If you're not aware of this brand, it's like, what did he just say? But they're pretty like Norwegian or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah, cuz I think he like wanted like a skateboard or no, snowboard bag. And he's like some YouTuber. And I remember seeing a video like years ago. And it's held up for like the last eight years. I love the bag. But I'll just throw this bag into that bag. And then also with my suitcase. And then I'll throw my suitcase in the plane or whatever. And then I just go out with this bag. It's also to the point where I also would like to put my my keys, wallet, and my phone in this bag. There's something liberating about not having to have your things in your pockets. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's weird. It's like guys realize you don't have to use your pockets and girls have been dealing with this for years but like it's nice to not like constantly reach in my pocket for my phone i think putting it in my bag makes me not pull it out as much so i think that like helps me in terms of like digital minimalism if that's a thing totally but yeah definitely get yourself a shoulder bag it's a game changer when you shoot for yourself what camera are you shooting with and what subject are you shooting I've really been so I follow a lot of like contemporary film photographers, but I don't really look back on like photographers of the past. I know people like Ansel Adams and uh, what's his name? Oh, I'm going to people are going to roast me for not remembering his name. <laughs> what is his name? George Parks. Is that what is that his name? Oh. Gordon Parks. <laughs> oh, God. Gordon Parks photography is amazing. Vivian Myers. Amazing. And, you know, and, like, especially with Vivian Meyer, she never really intended to have her work published. She kind of just shot to shoot. So I kind of feel, like, a little conflicted with looking at her work. But it is incredible. And so when I shoot for myself, I try to strive for, like, what Vivian Meyer was, like, trying to do. But I also look for, like, uh, minimal compositions. If I see, like, trees in the right way, a walkway that's nice and clear, you know, little little details i find that i love to do photographs in series which i want to experiment more with because i know instagram has had the carousel feature for a while but i usually just post like one image and then white borders which white borders on your photography on instagram is like a whole topic i could get into people say it's a crutch some people say it's a stylistic choice or a box or a creative box but it's like i i did it for a long time because the photographers I looked up to at the time did it. Like uh, Andrew T. Kearns and Samuel Elkins. If you like go back to like 2017, you'll see white borders on all their work. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I would do like one vertical and one horizontal, one vertical, one, and keep it like a nice consistent grid. But then I'm like, I don't care. No one goes through your Instagram feed as much as you do. <laughs> I think that's something uh, photographers really need to realize and successful photographers don't have a lot of other photographers follow or they do have other photographers following them but not a majority of their followers 
it's like the average everyday person on Instagram will choose to follow them. But I feel like a lot of photographers now try to focus on catering to other photographers on their photographs instead of like the average person, which I think you need to have mass appeal, I guess. When you're out shooting these compositions, what are you shooting with? I'm shooting with either a thrifted point and shoot, just testing it out. Mainly, that's actually what I've been doing recently. I've just been grabbing so many point and shoots that I have like three thrift stores that I hit on rotation. And I'll always find like a point and shoot for like $15. And I, I know it's sometimes you don't find anything, but it's like, I think I have like a 50% hit rate of like, oh, here's Dang. a camera. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you sometimes pick up duds. Like I picked up yeah. three cameras and they look like they work because I'll like turn on, but they don't uh, advance the film or some don't even turn out at all. Uh, you don't have batteries on you, so you can't test it. But I mean, it's like $8 risk. It's like not that bad because when you find a, a, what is it, an Olympus Mu 2 for $2, you're like, whoa, that's crazy. I did end up selling that camera for $300 later on, but it was a super solid camera for the time. And I was like, $2 thrift fund. <laughs> and it's like, uh, but mainly, I guess I would say this camera. Uh, something about manually focusing instead of grabbing a point and shoot just makes it easy. But at the same time, just practicing zone focusing with this camera as well. It has like a focus tab, so I know like where on the lens should be in focus. And I end up shooting at like f8 just to make sure that I'm in. Have a a wider range of margin of error. But like I remember when I started photography, it was like f1.8, f1.4 every time. I think that's one thing a lot of film, or not even just f film photographer, but photographers in general, when they start, everything is shot wide open. <laughs> and there's a look to it. I think that's what people associate with like professional photography, like out of focus background. But there's more to photography than shooting your lens wide open. Totally. Yeah, but that's a discussion for another time. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite style of photography? Portrait, landscape, street, lifestyle, documentary, product, commercial? I love lifestyle and documentary photography because documentary photography feels super real and lifestyle is less posed than portraiture and for me i like photos of people doing things and it like tells a story like i don't want to take a picture of someone like with a paintbrush in her hand and she's like smiling towards the camera as like oh this girl's a painter look at her work behind her and like you can tell that she's a painter I rather have an image of her painting on the canvas or like focusing on her craft, holding her artwork, things like you're like a fly on the wall in that sense. So it's like, even though it's staged, so it's lifestyle. And I like seeing that kind of stuff in documentary uh, photography as well. Portraiture, that's what I started as because I was like, if I want to get paid taking pictures, I might as well take pictures of people who pay me to take their picture. But it gets very boring after a while because of portraiture often time doesn't tell a story it can but that's like a skill set you have to develop over time and there's a lot, a lot of technique that goes involved into it it's not you don't get lucky like crazy portraits that you see that like blow your mind away that's never luck that's a lot of hard work on like the photographer's end to like getting to that point and that's just something i don't have i don't think i have the kind of behind the camera charisma to really connect with a subject to the level that I want to because I'm very introverted and I know like I feel like extroverted photographers shine with portraiture a lot more that's interesting that's a whole other topic too yeah being introverted extrovert and photographer yeah um if you could use one camera for the rest of your life what would it be it would be my Mamiya 6 that was my dream camera actually for a long time because I remember I, I heard about the Mamiya 7 like in 2020. And I was like, oh, wow, a medium format rangefinder. That seems kind of sick. And then I also saw like, oh, wait, Matt Day had a Mamiya 6. I remember watching a video about that years ago. And then I checked it out. And it was between a 6x6 camera or a 6x7 camera. And here's, here's something that a lot of film photographers need to hear. It's okay to crop your images. Hell yeah. I can crop my 6x6 images to look like 6x7. It ends up being 5.4x6, but it's the same 1.667 aspect ratio. And I get 12 rolls of frame. That's 12 frames a roll. 
rather than nine. So like there's definitely trade off. It's lower quality, but a lot of people put their work online and it gets compressed anyways. Mm -hmm. So you can even crop your 35 millimeter photos to look panoramic or you can crop them to look uh like six seven and one thing about medium format cameras even if you have a six six camera uh i know the hasselblad x pen is really sought after you can shoot on a regular six by six camera and then crop it in post yes you're losing a lot of the image but you can like fake the hasselblad x pan look by just cropping your work and it's okay mm. it's okay <laughs> that's, okay. so that's like one thing i like i remember it's okay because <laughs> i know back in the day because i looked into this they used to sell um square format 35 millimeter cameras it would have been uh 20 yeah it would have been 24 by 24 and like manufacturers had like a weird time with like making the cameras and you know like center focus or the center of a lens is always sharper especially in like older lenses so they didn't really have to worry about how soft the lens was in the corners. And it was really good, but it just never caught on. I think people just like really were hammered into like the 4-3 and the 2-3 aspect ratio back in the day. What is your favorite lens? Maybe not favorite lens, but favorite focal length would be a better way to answer this question. Because I can always edit enough in post to like really like fix some characteristics of lens i mean i've never shot on like a 35 millimeter sumacron but i remember being super obsessed with the uh 24 millimeter look for a while uh and 24 and 35 are probably my two like favorite focal lengths um because i thought 50 was always too punched in and like i never really liked 85 or like 135 millimeter lenses and i know i shoot primes most of the time because Prime lenses just have better quality, better image quality thanks to like physics because there's less moving parts that can like really focus on getting the glass just right. Um, I don't really know much about lens manufacturing, but I would say my 40 millimeter lens right now is my favorite lens, the Voigtlander 40 millimeter Heliar, the 2021 version. Uh, 40 millimeters is like perfect for me because I. 50 is just too punched in and 40 seems different because when you look online you'll see a lot of 35 and 50 work a lot of the time and when you look at something shot on 40 millimeters you know it's different but you're not sure why and i think i like i just like how it looks it looks natural but people say that about 35 and 50 i don't know to me 40 looks natural and that's why i like it what is your dream camera Oh, I already own it. My Mamiya 6. It is such a good camera. It is like, it feels like perfect in the hand. I don't know. I used to, I use the analogy of like a pen to like a camera. You can have a favorite pen, but they all do the same thing. They all write the same way. It just matters how it fits in your hand. Why one person would have like a pen that they always gravitate towards uh, instead of another one. And I feel like the Mamiya 6 fits my hand in a way that my... Mamiya RB67 didn't. Uh, it fits my hand in a way that my Fuji X Pro 1 doesn't. It fits my hand in a way that my X370 doesn't. It just feels right for my hand. And the way that you like bring it up to your eye, the way you focus, everything about that camera feels right. So I feel like you need to find a camera that feels right for you. It's not about what's the best camera because everyone's different and their needs are different. So that's just one thing you got to think about when looking at cameras. Cause I think you get into this, uh, if only I had blank. And I remember this was a problem for me for a long time. Only if I had the new camera, then you get it. Uh, well actually only if I had the new lens and then you get it. Well, actually I need to get this microphone and then you would get it. And you're not creating anything. Like one big pet peeve of mine is like when I see someone post more about the camera or the gear that they own instead of posting the work they created with it it's like i get it you have a leica m6 and it is a beautiful camera mm -hmm. but i've seen you post more about how the camera looks on your strap how the camera's on your hip more than i've seen work come out of the camera mm -hmm. I, th I think that's very telling but i love i love gear i love the intricacies of gear mm -hmm. 
I'm a gearhead myself, but I don't want to like be a gear camera page because photography isn't the camera. Photography is like the art through which the camera is used. It's just a tool. Some tools are fancy. Some of them are crude, but they get the work done, you know? Hell yeah. That was beautiful. What has been your favorite place to photograph? Favorite place? I love Griffith Observatory. It's like my main hike because I live relatively close to it. So I just drive up there and go on the hike. I don't take photos every time I do the hike, but I always just love to like get there, especially if it's like cloudy or like not fully cloudy, but like uh, not fully overcast. If it's like partially cloudy, uh, I really enjoy the way it looks and going at different times of day when I can. Um, I've taken on plenty images at Griffith. None, not all of them have made it onto my feed, but that's probably my favorite spot to photograph right now. Uh, I did photograph the Venice Skate Park for the first time after living here for three years, uh, two weeks ago, and it was super cool. I don't know. I feel I see why it's such an iconic spot for like photographers to gather, and there were definitely a ton of photographers that oh yeah there. But it's super cool when people come up to you and like, oh, what camera is that? I want to learn more about photography, and you mm-hmm. can just connect to people that way and build a sense of community. And I always like plug like the Venice photo club. Cause I like wear this hat all the time. I was like, Oh yeah. Join the Venice photo club. Follow us on Instagram. It's super cool. <laughs> <Heck yes. laughs> I do it all the time. Like I was in uh, I was in Silver Lake and someone was like, wait, Venice photo club. I think I've seen that on Instagram. I'm like, you sure have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I always, I always rep the, the Venice photo club and I always like talking to people about it. I think we made like 12 of those ads. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Where in LA would you shoot right now? Where I would shoot right now, I recently got a roll of um, Cinestill 800T, so I was looking at. Uh, so when I go out to shoot, I like to like map out where I want to go first through like Apple Street View. It helps a ton, but with Cinestill, it's different because I want to shoot it at night. So I see like two locations I want to hit and like frames I kind of want to capture. I forget the name of the building. It's It has these crazy lights on the side of it that glow in such a nice way. And I know it will look amazing on Sinistral. But I don't want to just, like, shoot three images and then, like, call it a roll. I've got to find, like, more things downtown that are interesting. Like, I like the uh, the 4th Street overpass. That's currently cool. But I don't know how that will show up on Sinistral at night. I don't know. I feel like downtown Los Angeles is the next spot I'm going to photograph. Mainly because I live there. But uh, because I want to shoot uh, some, like, signs at night, that's what I'm really looking forward to. Where in L.A. would you shoot next? Where would I shoot next? I want to go to the Los Angeles National Forest. Oh, yeah. Because I've never been. But I also want to go all the way up to Yosemite because (laughs) – Every time I see Yosemite pictures, I'm like, I need to be there. And I know it's only like a four-hour drive. So I think I could definitely, yeah, (laughs) I feel like I could do it over the course of like a weekend. I just got to plan out when. Mm -hmm. So that's like a spot that's like on my list, but I wouldn't say that it's next per se. Yeah. So I guess that that answers the next question. Where in California do you want to shoot next? Yosemite. Yosemite and uh, San Francisco. I know San Francisco, you can get to San Francisco faster than you can get to Yosemite because it's like an hour, 20-minute flight, I think. So I feel like I'm going to go to San Francisco one day. And I remember thinking for a long time when I moved here, it's like, I don't want to do things alone. I want to, like, bring someone or people with me. And only recently I'm like, I can just go out by myself. I'll be fine. (laughs) I think that's just something... uh, I like struggled with, especially during the pandemic, which was like, I just stayed inside for like a year, (laughs) but I don't know. It's, I mean, I think everyone can relate to that. Just staying Mm. inside for like a year, Yeah. but I'm just like more open to going out to places by myself. It's like, oh, this restaurant would be really cool to take someone to, (laughs) but now Instead of like thinking like, oh, I can't wait to take someone to this restaurant, I could just be like, oh, I can't wait to go to this restaurant myself. I mean, dining for one is strange, but I mean, you get used to it after a while. Where in the United States do you want to shoot next? Alaska. Oh, yeah. Alaska looks sick. I have a friend who lives out there. 
And she said, if I ever visit, I can crash with her. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I wanted to go last winter, but plans fell through and I got busy. And so did she. So hopefully in the next few years, I can go to Alaska because it is insanely beautiful. Alaska is insanely beautiful. I mean, I've seen... What's the park that's in Alaska? Is there a national park in Alaska? Oh, there's like five. <laughs> like five? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the one that she went to specifically, but I remember being in awe. I think I have it like saved somewhere on Instagram, but I definitely want to go to Alaska. Which places are you dying to photo? Um, so I guess outside of the United States. Outside of the United States. Which I have places a, are you dying to photograph? Oh, I've got a lot. I have like a whole list. I want to do. Maybe the top three. Yeah. Uh, New Zealand, Bali, oh, yeah. And France. Well, maybe, and if I had to say a top four, London. Top five. Yeah. Let's top see. Five. Let's see another five. Top <laughs> five. Let me remember this place. Part of me wants to say Greece, but yeah. I don't know if it's actually in the top five. Let me let me go back through my list. I said New Zealand, Bali. Those two are definitely musts. And then France, London. We'll throw Greece in there. We'll throw Greece in there. <laughs> we'll throw Greece in there. <laughs> we'll throw Greece in there. Um, when did you get into photography? I got into photography in the weirdest way. Uh, back in 2017, this was like the end of Casey Neistat's like two-year-long vlog situation. Or I think he was still going, but I remember like his vlog started like losing steam because I feel like he told all the stories that he had to tell that were really compelling. And I remember watching his videos. I was like, I want to be like Casey Neistat. So I bought the camera, bought the mic, bought the tripod, got a electric longboard. I now have a boosted board proper. But um, he was a very uh, big influence for me in terms of, like, online, like... Shout out, Casey! Yeah, like, online, like, mentor mentorship or whatever, in the sense, like, it, he doesn't know who I am, but I, like, always looked up to him and how, like, he, he tackled life. He was, like, a very big influential figure for me growing up. I remember his vlogs would come out right as class would start in high school. I remember this. I was like, I would try to watch his videos in homeroom all the time. And when his uploads were late, I was like, no, I have to just deal with school without a Casey Neistat vlog. And I have to wait to like study hall to watch it. I even have a, a, a do more uh, tattoo on my arm in oh, a way more yeah. minimal style than his. His yeah. is like super maximalist. Mine is just little Calibri font, do more. And I threw yeah. a period at the end. But that's, that's an ode to uh, Casey Neistat. That's awesome. I don't know if I'll ever meet him. I would like to, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, so I bought a camera for that, and I was like, ooh, I do not have an interesting life. I do not have stories to tell. (laughs) So, like, after doing, like, the internet will never see these. I did, like, 12 vlogs or so. And uh, it was fun for a while, but I was like, I don't really like storytelling in this way. Totally. And then I started taking photos, and I was like, this feels right. Because where I grew up in uh, the United States, I grew up in a small town in northeast uh, Pennsylvania, and there was no photography program. The only way I would have ever picked up a camera when I was growing up was if I joined, like, the yearbook club, which was taking pictures of, like, other clubs. But uh, I didn't pick up a camera until I went to university and then fell in love with photography through that. What was the first camera you ever used? Well, I think it was the... The Canon, the Canon EOS M2, this tiny mirrorless camera from Canon, because it was cheap and I wanted to buy it, and I will. I thought it was small enough and I could throw a little. Uh, I don't think I bought the Rode microphone, but I r- bought like another like competitor off of Amazon. So it was a really small, compact vlog setup, <laughs> and I remember I would use that. Uh, and then when I started taking pictures. I was like, this camera is not really great for that. And I looked into so many brands, and I think that's when Fujifilm was, like, really on the rise. And I bought the X-Pro1, and I didn't look back since. Did someone in your family take photos growing up? Not really. I have photos of, like, my childhood, but no one was, like, into photography in my family. I think there was a family friend of ours who was into photography, but I didn't really know him. He kind of knew me up until I was like a child. And I like have no memory of this man at, at all whatsoever. But I believe my mom told me that he was the one who took most of our pictures growing up. 
I'm like, oh, that's that's neat. <laughs> I have no recollection of this Mamba things. I guess it's like just random nuggets of like family lore your parents drop on you for like no reason, and you're like, I was I have no recollection. I was three years old, but you know, it is what it is. Is photography a profession or a hobby for you? Right now, it's a hobby, and now I'm kind of scared if I ever want to turn it into a profession because I think it kind of kills uh, the joy. A little bit unless you narrow into what you actually want to do because i don't want to be a wedding photographer i don't think i'd thrive in that environment so i want to be like a lifestyle photographer but how can a lifestyle photographer like actually make a living you know you got to be a commercial photographer to an extent uh so right now it's a hobby i remember i almost stopped doing photography at all up until the pandemic it was my my Fujifilm Instax Mini that got me back into uh, photography. I would walk around my neighborhood with my little Instax camera and snap all these frames. And I still have those images like tacked above my uh, desk. So I like, it's super weird with the Instax camera. I have so many images and I just put them on top of my desk. And it's weird because when I look at those images, I can like go back into time and I remember exactly where I was at, uh, like the state of mind I was in when I was just taking those images. And it's super cool to reflect on. And I don't get that the same way when I'm looking through like my Instagram feed. Like I'll see photos. I'm like, oh, I wonder when I took that. I don't remember really, really what I was going through at the time when I took that photo. But with my Instax photos, I like know exactly what I was going through over like the hundreds of them that are over my desk that's awesome what roles does photography play in your life passion therapy expression creative outlet perception storytelling memories definitely storytelling memories creative outlet and therapy uh i love scanning my film it takes a long time but it kind of like you kind of like zone into it i love walking around with my insects camera it's snapping away it's very therapeutic it's weird when you it's weird because I, I don't go to therapy like my camera's my therapy <laughs> i don't know i would say therapeutic is like bigger than i might bigger than i might think it is like when some if you were to say hey is your photography therapeutic to you i would say yes but it probably is more than i think it is mm-hmm. but i think everyone needs to have Something like that. Maybe it's because it's the way that it's creative outlet because I used to like draw all the time. I used to draw all the time. I used to read all the time. But photography is definitely like the number one hobby I have now. And it's very therapeutic in that sense, I guess. How has photography changed for you since COVID? I ditched my digital cameras behind for film and I love it 10 times more now. I love it 10 times is probably cutting it short. I love it like 100 times more. I think... One thing I don't like about digital photography, in a sense, is uh, the immediate, the immediate like uh, want for images. Like I remember like shooting like my digital cameras back in like 2017, 2018, with like inexperienced models through like Instagram networking, and like a day will pass, and it's like, hey, do you have the images yet? Do you have the images yet? <laughs> and it's like, well, hold on, I did this photo shoot for free, and it's like the very next day, it's like, where are the photos? Where are the photos? And it's like, hold up. I did this for free <laughs> and I would prioritize the work that I got paid for. And I also have like work outside of this. Like I, I need to make a living somehow. So I'm like, I didn't have time to sit down and edit the photos, but with film photography, it's like people understand you got to like get it developed, scan it. And it feels like the delayed gratification of that whole process makes it so much, uh, so much better for me. If money were not a factor, what would you photograph? Everything. <laughs> I think yeah. everything Rapid because like with my Mamiya I'm like click is like two dollars click yeah. two dollars click two dollars that shutter slap <laughs> two dollars yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I also do the same with my Instax cameras it's like click oh, yeah. 70 cents click 70 cents like you know you understand like how much does it cost to develop how much did the roll cost and then also I don't really think of the time because I'll do it anyways but I know like with my film it takes me like Three hours sometimes scan like oh, yeah. three rolls of film, and it's just it's just how it is. I used to like scan every single image on a roll of film, but now I don't do that. I'm like, if I'm never gonna like touch really? this image, or it's like a dupe, or it's like 
Like, so like I can scan like 12 images at once, but I don't because I'll like find like the six that I actually like and scan those instead because scanning everything will take so much more time because sometimes you shoot does. I see, I'd say like, I remember hearing something like a photographer like would be really good if they liked three percent of the images they took. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if I only like three percent of the images I took, that means I'd only like like one photo off of a roll of film. But I try to like at least ten of them throughout the roll. So maybe I have like a thirty percent hit rate, I guess, of like images I like because I'm way more conscious about what I'm shooting with film as opposed to digital. What is your Instagram username? Spelled out. Uh, that is Vens.Bove. That is super French. Uh, it's V-E-N-S dot B-E-A-U-V-A-I-S. And uh, that's the one. Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> How do you use your Instagram? Personal, portfolio, platform? I only really separated the two, I think, five, six months ago. I remember I felt like I was like treating my friends like fans. <laughs> and my fans like friends and i was like that is not very good i was listening to a podcast like, and she brought up uh, this talker brought up that like why are you treating your friends as if they're like fans of your work it's like they're your friends like i'm just a guy yeah. <laughs> like i remember like people like the you hear this all the time it's like uh when you're posting on social media post as if you already have a million followers or whatever but it's like i'm just a guy living my life taking pictures it's not that deep and there are so many interests I have outside of photography that I feel like don't really coincide with like a creator's page, I'd say. There's so many like facets of my life. Photography isn't everything. And here's a weird realization you come through. Uh, a majority of the people who follow you on Instagram don't even know what your voice sounds like, which is super weird when uh, you think about it. It is super weird. So I was like, let me separate it and have a private Instagram account for my friends and one where I just throw my artwork and like run away. Like I don't follow anyone on that account besides I think the Kodak film account. <laughs> and then on my other personal one, that's where I keep like my conversations with my friends and stuff. I feel like I can post like nonsense stuff and memes. I don't want to <laughs> put that on like my other Instagram because I kind of treat it as a portfolio in a sense, even though it's not really one. Yeah. I think that's about it. What is one thing you love about Instagram? Ooh. It's funny you say that because I hate a lot of things about Instagram <laughs> yeah. for the, at the time. But, I mean, I think it's, like, how easy it is to connect with people. I think people take it for granted because people for sure. use Instagram in different ways. But Instagram definitely is one of the best social media platforms, in my experience, with, like, connecting to a core audience. Like, you connect with people on Instagram more than you do on TikTok, for example. Or Twitter. I don't use Twitter, though, but I know it's like a lawless land there. <laughs> lawless. <laughs> what is one thing you hate about Instagram? Everything. No. <laughs> uh, bring back the chronological feed. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I know they kind of did in a really annoying way. Like, if you... um. If you go on Instagram and you tap the Instagram logo in the top left, it'll pull up like following and favorites. If you click favorites for the accounts that you put on your favorites list, it will be in chronological order. But your default Instagram homepage is not in chronological order. It's algorithmically, algorithmically, I can't say that word, based on like what they think you're more likely to interact with. And due to this, I don't scroll vertically on Instagram very much anymore. I will see like the first two images and then I just click through everyone's stories. Like for me, it's like you see two posts add, one post add, three posts add, one post add, two posts add. And it's like constantly throwing in ads. Cause I remember I heard someone say people are kind of like immune to ads. I was like, I don't see that many ads on Instagram. So then I opened up Instagram and I like scrolled through like 30 images and like 15 of them were ads. Oh man. And I was like, oh. There are a lot of ads on Instagram. <laughs> I kind of just like block them out of my brain. This is a horrible platform. And so I know it's the same with stories. You like go through like two people's stories and it's an ad. And it kind of becomes white noise to people in our generation. But I wish they would cool it with the ads. <laughs> but I know they have to make money somehow. So can't really fault them for that. What are some of your favorite IG accounts you follow? Oh, I already said uh, 
Samuel Elkins and Andrew uh, T. Kern. Yeah, those are like my two favorite contemporary film photographers. I really like uh, Volandis as well, and Will- Willem Verbeek. Of everyone, I feel like everyone in the film team loves Willem. But like, also in terms of like YouTube, if I want to extend there, I would say Grainy Days. I love his sense of humor. He's like one of the funniest people on the platform. I wish more people would like uh, like be appreciative of his like dry delivery. But I've just... shown my non-film friends his account, and they love they love just watching. His yeah, account. his whole thing with like the this red hot Mountain Dew thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is going on? But I I love the way he describes his dog Baxter all the time. It's just super funny. I love throwing his videos in the background while I'm scanning film, and like I'll look up and pay attention sometimes, and then I'll like go back to work, and like I just his videos are like just super relaxing for me oh yeah what is your favorite non-ig social media if you would count youtube as a social media i would say youtube yeah for sure but if you don't count youtube i guess tiktok it's like the only other one i use because i don't use twitter i don't use facebook i don't use snapchat and tiktok is a social media platform so I, i guess i'll say tiktok but i found like my TikTok algorithm and my Instagram real algorithm are completely different. I feel like there's no soul in a lot of uh, <laughs> Instagram reels, and a lot of them are just TikToks that are like two months old. So I feel like TikTok definitely has more organic reach. Like you'll find an account with like 2,000 followers on TikTok and go absolutely viral. And that's not something you'll ever see on Instagram. So I feel like. TikTok definitely opens you up to more people and more perspectives than Instagram does. Do you post content on other social medias? I do not. I am looking into YouTube shorts and reels and TikToks. I'm thinking about it, but I want to make sure I do content in a way that doesn't burn me out, but also feels authentic to me. Yeah. And it's hard to find that balance, especially with like a busy schedule like mine. What is your greatest strength as a photographer? I guess just photographing I want without caring what other people think. I think it's cool. But I mean, like, not like in the, the weird street sense. It's like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to bring this up. I do not like those TikToks where some guy is like, hey, I'm a photographer. And I just go around taking people's pictures. Would you like to be to take your picture? It feels so forced and cringe. I'm like, oh no, that person will just enjoy their day. <laughs> like, I can never go up to someone as like, hey, I'm a photographer. Let me take your picture, please. Like, I cannot do that. It like my skin crawls every time, and I know they have good intentions with it. And it, on TikTok or YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels, and it, it's like, oh, look at this photographer going out of their comfort zone and talking to people and getting their <laughs> photos. But sometimes I like they're kind of being like just like costing people on the street. I, yeah. I don't know. What is your greatest weakness as a photographer? <sighs> greatest weakness, I guess, and the, the the same thing like inverse. I don't like getting in people's faces. Mm-hmm. Like I like I'll see like photographers. I forget his name. He would carry like two Leicas through New York. Oh, the flash. And there's a flash in people's face. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, oh my God, I would be dead. (laughs) There's no way. There's no way. I can never have that much bravado to like put a flash in someone's face like that. I feel like people might be more conscious of like the space now, especially in a post pandemic world. But like seeing that like blew my mind. I was like, what? What is one piece of advice you have for your younger self as a photographer? See, my younger self wasn't that young when he started photography. I was 18. So it's like, that was eight years ago. If I could go back to eight years ago, I would tell myself to get into film photographer, film photography. Let me restart that. If I could go back in time to my younger self, I would tell my younger self to get into film photography earlier. Because all the problems I had with photography and picking up as a hobby were remedied when switching the medium to film. Like, waiting the process out, scanning the photos, being more in control of, like, the colors in a sense. Because, I mean, digital raw files, some people will rather spend 30 minutes on a raw image. I'd rather spend, like, 30 minutes waiting to get my film scanned. (laughs) And you have a lot of leeway with scanning. And I feel like it feels 
more authentic, even though you can still edit your film photos. And I am a strong advocate for editing your film photos. I know some people are very like, don't edit your film photos. But it's like, hey, the person that scanned your film in the lab edited your film photos. <laughs> so it's like, edit your film photos. It's okay. They used to edit in the dark room. We can edit on a computer. Nothing's changed, really. What advice do you have for a new photographer? Don't be afraid to shoot at f4 or f5.6. You don't need to shoot at f2, at f1.4. And definitely don't uh, develop gas, which is like a term uh, that photographers use, gear acquisition syndrome. Like, I think I mentioned that before. It's like, if only I had blank. You're constantly thinking you need the next piece of gear. But I remember there was a, I remember his name too. There was this photographer on Instagram. His name was Brandon Gilbert. And he rose in terms of like the Instagram scene space because he shot on a Canon T5i. And he showed that the lens was more important than the camera. I think he put like a L series lens on it. I don't know if it was a 24 to 70. It was some lens on it. And he was taking amazing images on like a, a T5i, like a Canon entry-level camera. So it doesn't matter the gear you have if you know what you're doing. Where do you see yourself in three years, specifically with photography? Specifically with photography? I definitely want to be in a position where I can consistently print my work and sell my prints. I think that's super, super cool. I, I recently met someone who's like actually doing that. And I'm like, how did you do what you do? Like, I want to do what you're doing now. Like, it's like so perfect to like be able to print your work and then sell it, you know? Where do you see yourself in 10 years specifically with photography? 10 years? Hopefully with a couple books published and a couple of galleries done. Definitely. I want to definitely like stay in California too. I feel like California just feels home to me now it's weird like i still talk to my friends on the east coast and that was definitely part of like my childhood and growing up but california especially los angeles feels way more my speed and i know people say there's a lot of bad takes about los angeles and like community and stuff like that but i feel like especially the venice photo club has given me a real sense of community that i didn't have Back home, because I had friends, but we never really had, like, shared interests in, like, a strong way. But, like, I feel like you can definitely find the right people in Los Angeles and just surround yourself with them. Totally. And it's just perfect. So, definitely staying in California and hopefully get some work in some galleries and sell some prints, like, consistently. And I can hopefully turn that into, like, a living wage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the goal. If you could time travel back, if you could time travel and bring back photographs with you, where and when would you go? I know the stereotypical answer for this is like people wanting to go to like a concert of like some famous artist. I don't think I'd do anything crazy like that. I don't even know what I'd do. I feel like, (laughs) you know what, I'd go back in time and take more photos of myself as a kid because I have some photos of myself as a kid, but I don't have a lot. And I definitely know like some people are kind of annoyed by it because their parents have like huge photo albums of them growing up and stuff. I don't really have that. I have like images here and there from like the ages of like one to three and like three to seven. And I think around like six, seven is when the photographs kind of stopped. And I maybe have, like, one photograph, like, each year up until I'm, like, 18. So I can't really look back on, like, me growing up. I'm a completely different person than I was as a kid. But it'd be nice to look back and see, like, how I wish I had, like, home video and home photographs. So I would go back and photograph myself. What is the most exciting thing about the future of photography technology? Gear, AI, speed, storage, AR, VR? (sighs) I think we're going to encounter a slippery slope very soon. I remember I saw this quote. It was like, I thought the future was going to be AI taking the low paid jobs and then like humans would have more time on art. But now I see something as like where most people are working low wage jobs and AI is producing art. 
And I think that's scary because art has become like a very fast commodity. Like when people prompt into like images into mid journey, it is very, very weird to me. Like I remember like just last week, uh, someone was showing me on the app and he was like 50 millimeter Venice sign, Gaussian blur, a man in a white shirt next to a poodle. And like the images it generates in like 30 seconds. And obviously they look very AI like. But one of them looked very convincing. Like when you hear someone speak an AI prompt, it feels very surreal. And maybe it's just because I'm not used to it. But AI making art is very strange to me. But using AI to like speed up the process, I think, is something that I can see happening very in a very beneficial way. I think like using AI to research things, I think makes more sense than having AR, AI actually do things. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It feels very uncanny. Is there anything you'd like to tell the listeners? I think people... Maybe... Is this for photography related? <laughs> what do you want to tell them? <laughs> I feel like... I want people to like really like take a step back and like think about like what is it all for because it's like at the end of the day like i I remember i used to be so existential from like 19 to 22 and then like at 25 when my brain stopped developing i was like oh you're clocked in now (laughs) it's like it's not that deep like relax i think life is about the journey and i feel like i see so many people being like stuck and like doing the next thing more and more and more and more and more and I remember, like, I used to always hate the saying, like, oh, you got to stop and smell the roses. Like, first off, roses don't really smell that great to me. But, like, stop and, like, enjoy life, you know, because, like, that's a gift. If listeners were to follow you, what can they expect? They can expect infrequent posts because I do not post frequently. Since I split up my Instagram to, like, a personal one and a work one, I don't think I actually ever even posted on the my portfolio one i kind of just let it sit there uh i will get into it soon and i really want to like tackle with like a strong content strategy i mean i'm using ai to also help me with that like what what like i'm like looking at like the market of like film photography like if you like look for like film photography on youtube for example you'll find like 10 really strong creators and they're all almost the same um there's no really strong uh difference between the two or between two of them or between three of them between four of them uh i think you want to find a niche and like really hammer down on it but you don't want to niche too hard you know so i'm like asking like chat gpt is like hey what's like a a video about film photography that you think would do well and like it'll spit out like 10 video ideals ideas and you'll search them up and they're already done you know so i feel like you got to be creative in a, a sense. I don't know. It's it's hard. It's just hard. What can people hire you right now for? I do. I don't do event stuff anymore. Much. I mean, I love doing like behind the scenes photography. I got to do that on a music video last March. It was really super fun. I love doing behind the scenes photography. I rather do that than like definitely don't do product. I'm not that great. There's definitely people who are like leagues better than me in that regard. I will do portraits, but I kind of, like, step back from that. So, like, I'm not seeking out portrait work. What if someone's like, hey, can you take a picture of me? I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> um, but definitely behind-the-scenes stuff is definitely what I like. Uh, event photography in a sense as well, but I like doing behind-the-scenes in productions, whether that be a movie, TV show, or a music video. If you were to collaborate with one person right now, who would it be? Ooh. I know there are a lot of film photographers in Los Angeles. And I know this is going to sound really sad, but I don't feel like I'm at the level in which I can expect to collaborate with anyone. So I never really even put it into question to collaborate with anyone. I kind of just do my own thing, hang out with friends, and like take photos on walks and stuff. But I don't have it in my head like I want to collaborate with this person and create something. That's not something that really crosses my mind. Because I feel like I'm not at the level where that should be a concern. I would love to challenge you on that. (laughs) (laughs) But that's your answer. (laughs) If you could hire someone right now, what would their role be? If I could hire someone, 
I want to get to the point where I can hire an assistant because I'm like, when I look at the lives of people in my field are doing and like the things I want to do, like travel photography, uh, lifestyle work, edit, not editorial, uh, like lifestyle documentary work and like travel photography. I know that's a lot for one person to handle. It's weird because, like, I remember someone asked, like, if money were no object, what would you like to do? Like, part of me, when I was younger, I was like, I don't know, move to France, open a cafe, have it open from, like, 7 to noon and then close, and then reopen at 2 and, like, make it, like, an art studio and teach, like, art classes and stuff. And I feel like that in a quiet French town would be so nice. <laughs> but, like, at the same time, like, is that realistic? Like... I'm thinking of like realistic goals and that's something that seems realistic, but I really don't know the trajectory to get there. And I would definitely love to like maybe do something like that in California, but I know like how am I going to like buy a coffee shop and then turn it into like an art studio in the afternoons, you know? I feel like that would be something that's really fun, but I, right now I don't have the capital to like get something like that off the ground. Well, Vince, thank you so much for coming out and chatting about photography and all these years in the photo club. Yeah, it's been great. We're actually excited to announce Vince is going to do a, a new series for the Venice Photo Club podcast. Keep an eye out for a new podcast series with Vince. If you're interested in being on it, reach out, DM us, DM Vince. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, no, this was great. This is really nice. This is peaceful. I need to do things like this more often. <laughs> that's that's what I learned. This is so nice. But yeah, this is so lovely. See you. Yep, see ya.